And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. It is Thursday, October 28th. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris on the heels of the Astros, tying up the World Series at one game apiece. No Brit again today, but I think we should begin today's show with a congratulations to Brit and Kavitha Davidson. They won an Edward R. Murrow Award for their podcast about the story of Mo Gabba. We've talked about that story before, but just phenomenal work by those two on that episode. And that's like one of the highest honors in journalism. So hearty congrats to Brit. That is a much better place to be than on our pod on any given Thursday. Yeah, they look fabulous in their in their attire. Uh, got to do the red carpet thing and take pictures in front of the background and uh, and sport their hardware. So uh, that's a that's a dream of mine. I would love to do something like that someday. That's a legit sort of thing, right? When you, when yeah. you get the red carpet and the backdrop, <laughs> yeah. like you've absolutely crushed it. So congrats to both of them. That was it, phenomenal work. Reminds me, I did pitch talks uh, here at the Independent, which is where I saw um, uh, I saw Black Black Star, I saw Most Def and, and Talib Kweli back in the day. Um, and I remember standing on the on the on the. Um, uh, on the stage <laughs> I, saw, I was remember standing on the stage and like looking down and be like most deaf was here you know and that that was a that was a thrill for me so uh someday i'd like to to be able to kind of hold up some hardware and be like brit was here yeah that's that's pretty much uh, how it goes uh, at this point but uh, I, I thought you were going to say when you said the independent i thought you said you saw trent crim there the uh the reporter from Ted Lasso. I thought you were referring uh, to being no. at the office of the Independent in the UK. No, that no, is where you're Independent going is, a, um, is a venue here. It's also really great shows there. Well, one day, one day, I will venture out and uh, leave this little <laughs> corner of the peninsula that I hang out in. I, I, it's my world is so small. It's it's the same when I when I travel to New York. In my mind, Midtown Manhattan is like six square blocks or so that's where i've been every time i've gone for tout wars clearly it is much bigger than that there are whole other boroughs that i should go see sometime that have whole uh whole kind of character well see when you visit i think it's it it, it makes sense now that you live here though um that you you just you just moved here it's fine but living somewhere you gotta then you you start you know you start reaching out and going to different places I got up into the mountains for some wine. I feel like that's a small achievement. There you go. Just just doing that. But Carmel or where'd you go? No, no, just up the Santa Cruz mountain. But oh, nice. Let's get to the baseball. Jose mm. Urquidy goes five seven Ks. Really nice performance from him. Astros, of course, win that game uh, seven to two. It early lead for the Astros, of course. Sack fly from Bregman. Travis Darno tied it up with a homer in the top of the second. But then it was just the kind of weird soft contact show 
in the bottom of the second inning. A-Rod loved it because he thought it was 80s baseball, even though the most or one of the most analytically inclined teams of this era has continued to lead the league in team strikeout rate in a good way, having a low K rate. So, you know, A-Rod's kind of on his own plan. Yeah, analytics, analytics does not love the strikeout. No, 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 no. It, it, it does not. <laughs> so that was a kind of hilarious thing. I saw people dunking on him on Twitter, rightfully so. In that case, you know how it, you know how it actually uh, was. It was uh, because I, I'm, I am so over a Rod, and I, I don't know if it is just another example of being the king of waffles. But I've kind of had different opinions on a Rod at different points in his career. Like I thought, you know, it was kind of, you know, people point to his first contract with the Texas as being like a super bloated bad contract. I, I thought that was one of the best contracts of all time. Um, you know, to get a, a a young shortstop MVP type shortstop in his prime for the, for those dollars, I think they did really well. So I was like, you know, people hate him too much. Um, and then he became a broadcaster. At first, I was like, "Ooh, he's kind of interesting." And now I'm so over it. <laughs> like just the the straw man and the the reductiveness and all that stuff. But what I did think was interesting was I looked at the uh, exit velocities yesterday, and you were right. The soft contact show four out of five of the best exit velocities yesterday were uh, from um, the Braves. And I wouldn't say that it's like completely um, mm, soft contact because the Astros dominated the next 10 or so. You know what I mean? Like they're like eight out of the next 10. They hit a lot of balls like 99 miles an hour. That's not like super soft, you know, but like they put the ball in play and they hit it reasonably hard. And uh, they kind of just the one of the things they do is they just pepper. Like there's so many like there's none of them are bad. You know, only Martin Maldonado, and he can still run into one. So, uh, you know, it was just, I would say the word is relentless. Yeah, relentless is a good way to go. I think there's a funny question in the live stream. Uh, James, uh, thank you for joining us. I haven't seen you on the stream before. He asked, is this a fantasy baseball show or a general baseball show? Mitch replied with a yes, along with Sam and James. Then everyone kind of proceeded to explain what we do here. And... It kind of feels like the way I feel when I talk to my grandpa about my job where I'm, I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like it's sort of like a little TV show that people get to watch on the Internet uh, sometimes. And otherwise, it's like a radio show that you can listen to on your phone. Um, <laughs> you get paid for this. Amazingly, yes, I do. And uh, I have a lot of fun with it. But um I will say to James that, like, you know, uh, during the season and especially leading up to the season, we lean a little bit more fantasy. Uh, Mondays and Wednesdays generally lean more fantasy. And then Fridays are are more regular baseball. And uh, so the Friday show with Brit that's been more regular baseball is what we expanded into the playoffs. Because uh, I think, frankly, uh, most people who play fantasy want to take a little break right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm goofy and. If you if you were excited about it on October second and you said let's start putting the rankings out, I would do it. But I think pumping the brakes a little bit was uh, <laughs> was a good idea. See, this this is there's a lot of truth here. Sam, one episode was let DVR vent about the Brewers episode. Eno missed that day. That was a, a travel day for Eno going to first pitch in Arizona. <laughs> oh. James, sometimes DVR gets the ass. <laughs> yes, that's right. Probably more often than I should, given the circumstances. Yeah, and then um, every time Eno tries to take all sides of an issue. Yes. 
Right. That, that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty much how it works. If you had to summarize what we are as a podcast, I think that's probably the best way to do it. So hopefully you stick around, hit the like button, subscribe, you know, pick us up wherever you listen to podcasts. If you don't like looking at our faces, that's, that's the key to all this. If you don't like our faces, just do oh. the podcast version. Yeah, right. Just listen to us. Hopefully you, or you don't find our voices annoying. Here's a, a crossover in in right now a a, phys- a person crossover, Jose Urquidy. He is the crossover between our fantasy show and our regular show <laughs> because yes. we were big in on him uh, early in the season despite terrible projections. And um, I think last night he really showed why he has a, a, a bunch of different pitches that he commands pretty well. And did you notice something in the Boston? Um, appearance that was went so badly his velocity was up on all three of his pitches or, or all four of his pitches he was, he was up like two miles an hour right and he couldn't command the ball he couldn't command the ball and he he just walked everybody and just blew up last night the velocity was up on the secondary pitches but he was only up a half tick on the fastball he really seemed like he was doing he was trying to be free and easy on the fastball and in fact i saw it like i i felt i saw it in the first inning i was like 93s I was like, this is going to be good. Usually, you know, the hot hand in, in pitching is how hard your fastball is. That's, you know, Rob Arthur has that research that says how hard your fastball is, is actually predictive of your next next appearance. But I think for Arkady, he's a he's a command guy. And I think when I saw the 93s in the first inning, I said, I think this is going to be good because he was putting it in the zone. He was putting it where he wanted to. He eased up off of it and let his command show. And then he, he started breaking out some cool stuff. Like, did you see the high changeups? He was throwing some high changeups for whiffs. So I thought that was great. I thought he did a really good job of mixing his uh, mixing all his pitches. And I think uh, you know, as bad as some of the announcing has been, uh, Smoltz uh, was okay on. I think Smoltz is pretty good on the pitching side because he was he he pointed out the same stuff we pointed out about Max Fried. Uh, you know, liking to pitch inside uh, with the fastball, and that the uh, the righties on the Astros, and that ended up being relevant in the first appearance with Altuve. You know, Freed kept trying to go inside, and Altuve finally hit a double off him. Um, and then I think he was pretty good at, about describing Urquidy, uh, why Urquidy was good, because I think Urquidy was mixing it really well. I thought I thought that he was keeping them off balance by by throwing just weird pitches, like the high changeups. Yeah, I mean, I think we've wondered before, like, how many, how many wrinkles can you have in your approach and your game plan? And Drew Smiley not really throwing fastballs in that relief outing against the Dodgers, that was a pretty big surprise. And then equally surprising, the home run that Smiley gave up to Jose Altuve was an up-and-in fastball, a, a his worst pitch thrown in the worst possible spot to a guy that crushes that ball. Like, that's, you know, kind of strange, too. But sometimes you miss your spot, too. I don't know if he was necessarily trying to go where well, he went with that pitch. Th- this is what I thought would happen a little bit more with Freed. It didn't, I don't know that I remember exactly one pitch that worked out this way. But I thought what would happen with Freed is instead of going in, up and in on those righties where they actually have a strength, I thought he would try to go up and away. And I thought that one of those pitches would kind of drift middle a uh, middle and up, and then they would t- kind of uh, launch it for a homer. Do you, I don't know if that described anything that happened. I think that may have described what, sm- what happened with Smiley. Yeah, I think it I think he was trying to go Smiley. up away, and it kind of just drifted in. Yeah, I, I think w- I was looking at the heat map for Freed, and I was on my phone, so I didn't screenshot it and put it on my computer to share it with everybody. So I'm sorry about that. But the the quadrant we were worried about, that up and in pitch, mm-hmm. Max Freed actually avoided that part of the zone, up and into righties, that is, to clarify what we're 
what we're specifically looking at, he didn't really go there at all. So they they knew, they saw that, they had that yeah. in mind. They they knew where the Astros crushed the ball and, and tried to avoid that. And I, I think sometimes you can have the right game plan and just not execute it perfectly. I think a lot of this was getting bad. It was defense making a few mistakes that also well, I think compounded things a little bit. Also, though, we were talking about how they make a lot of contact, which is good, and then not necessarily the 120-mile-an-hour version this time. And I think that actually goes into what Freed's uh, approach was. So I think of Freed... You know, he's like, okay, I'm not going to go hard in, but he did go soft in. Like he did, he did throw breaking balls in, right? And I remember, I think in the first inning, you know, Bregman fouling off, you know, a couple of those. I think Altuve fouled off a couple sliders in, you know, and I think they decided, okay, we're getting breaking balls in. We're not going to get the fastball in. And I think to some extent, the hitters were like, if I'm not going to get the fastball in, then I need to slow it down a little bit, maybe try to go the other way, maybe just try to put this ball in play and not necessarily go for the homer. So there may, you know, we might call it Babbitt, we might say it's a bit of fortunate or whatever, but it might have also been a, a, an actual adjustment by the hitters to saying, okay, we're not going to get this hard fastball in. They're too aware of this. Let's start looking for breaking balls in and and slow slow our speed, uh, our swing a little bit, right? Because if you if you have a fastball swing on a breaking ball in, it's a foul ball as a righty right i think the, the the exact play that i'm thinking about though is the jose siri grounder roller chopper through the through the right side like that to me was the epitome of okay this wasn't planned went the other way took the pitch hit it with a little like you know it, it was no it, it was yeah but albie's albie's had that little swinging bunt <laughs> yeah, like, i mean I'm, yeah I'm, this, this happens throughout a game but i mean that that to me was kind of a, a key thing and there was a defensive mistake no one was covering third base when Eddie Rosario threw that ball in later so Siri came around to score I mean a couple mm-hmm. little things like that kind of stacked on top of other things to make this look a little worse for Max Freed than it really was was that a little bit of what we were talking about with the outfield defense in Atlanta coming to bite them a little bit I mean Rosario is not known for hitting the cutoff man or you know what I mean like you could maybe blame it on someone not covering third but also Rosario kind of airmailing it Right, throwing a ball where there isn't a person. You know I mean? Right, that's, yeah. The, yeah. That's definitely part of it, too. Uh, what else stood out to you? I mean, Urquidy's high change-ups, that's definitely a nice wrinkle. Is there anything else you saw that you're like, oh, hey, I didn't really expect that to be part of the, the game plan? Well, I mean, in a good way for the Braves, uh, I think Kyle Wright coming in and uh, showing decent command, even uh, at 94 miles an hour. Um, and th- showing basically a, a kind of a revamped, curveball um you know his curveball had less horizontal break it was a little bit more vertical um and a little bit harder uh two almost two miles an hour harder than usual so i think that that shows off some of the work he's been doing in the minor leagues um you know i think he was a little bit more you know he was he was a different kind of pitcher before so this sort of fastball curveball where it's a little bit more vertical curveball uh it, it it's not like something that it's not maybe not a big deal, but it could become a good deal, right? Like they kind of need someone, right? And someone's got to step forward. And if if it's not because Charlie Morton's missing, so maybe he's the guy. Maybe it's only two or three innings, but maybe he's the guy that, that they they call it a bullpen game, and it's him and Mentor, and maybe they actually get through five, giving up one or something. Uh, that could put them back in the series, you know? Yeah. So I mean, I think the the 
big focus of today's show is we've got three games coming up starting Friday. We don't have a show tomorrow, so we're sort of previewing the entire weekend. And there's so much unknown because of the Charlie Morton injury. For what it's worth, it was Tucker Davidson that Atlanta decided to put on the roster in Morton's place. I think I named the other three options. Davidson was the obvious fourth, so... It's always going to be the, the extra player that you don't need. I'm a little surprised it wasn't Strider. Do you think they just wanted to have a lefty? I mean, they have a ton of lefties. They, there's like six or seven lefties on this playoff roster. I thought it was going to be Tukey because of the experience. I thought they were going to go with the more proven guy and say, oh, Plus we're going to work two or three innings ball. at a time. Yeah, like, and he, he showed some flashes in the second half. So rather than put Strider out there in a situation where you just don't know exactly what you're getting. Yeah, you get the benefit of a, a guy that the Astros might not have as good of a scouting report on. I, I thought Tukey was going to be that choice. So, yeah, another lefty, definitely not something I expected. But the only pitching matchup that's clear at this point for the weekend is the Friday matchup. It's going to be Ian Anderson going up against Luis Garcia. So we can start there. That, to me, kind of an even matchup. We've had that pretty much for each of the first three games. But where I think this series could go completely sideways for Atlanta is in in the event that Ian Anderson goes short in game three. That's the nightmare scenario because the bullpen fatigue will start to compound over the course of the weekend, right? I mean, that's that's the nightmare scenario. I, the same is probably true for Houston, given the current state of, of their rotation. But I still think when we look at Grinky and Javier, who got to pitch in game two and should be pretty rested even by the time we get to three, I, w- I would imagine they're probably trying to save them for four or five if they can. But those two guys still give me quite a bit more confidence than the the worst of the worst Atlanta relievers by comparison. It's only a slight difference, but it's a difference nonetheless. I mean, there's there was some research uh, just put out by uh, Russell Carlton at Baseball Perspectives, uh, otherwise known as Pizza Cutter, um, that um, pointed out that uh, fatigue, you know, like that pitches thrown, uh, just raw pitches thrown that. Over time, pitchers get worse within a season. It's kind of one of those like, no duh, but uh, it also is kind of meaningful for even a short series like this, where if they get used, it's not, even if you give them rest, they, they, they're getting worse. And I think that there's two things going on there. It's fatigue and exposure, people seeing them more and, uh, and then also just being fatigued. So, um, you know, I think that the, you know, I think you're right. If, if Ian Anderson goes short, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. Uh, you know, as much as Tukey's command is, is shaky, like Tucker Davidson has a, has a really bad fastball and doesn't really command it. Um, so I think all of the choices were flawed. Uh, that's why I just thought Spencer Strider would be someone that no one had ever seen. But, you know, I don't think the Astros have seen Tucker Davidson either. So, Maybe Tucker Davidson comes out and throws 80% breaking balls and uh, and surprises everyone. Uh, that's definitely something that, like, Smiley did once. You know? Smiley so, twist. Yeah, so there's uh, there's still more coming. I actually picked the Braves tonight. Uh, Luis Garcia has those home-away stuff uh, uh, splits that we can't explain. And uh, so I just think that he might not be uh, as good as he was uh, before. And um, Ian Anderson is going to be pitching on his home crowd. I don't know. I think uh, I think that uh, I'm going to take the Braves tonight. So I'm I'm fairly confident uh, you don't tonight. have them winning three in a row tomorrow. Tomorrow night, yeah, yeah, Friday. Friday. So you don't have Atlanta winning all three home games. I know they're five and zero in the postseason at home so far this year. Well, I mean, the, 
once you swim move past Ian Anderson, even if you're down two one as the Astros, you're like, okay, now who you got? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You either got like, I mean, I don't even think Max Fried on short rest is a Saturday option, maybe a Sunday option. Mm. Max Fried pitched Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He would be three days rest on Sunday. I mean, in would you do it only in an elimination scenario? If you're down three one, do you throw him there just to get him out there again? Yeah, I mean, if you're down three one, you gotta win. But if they win tonight, then they're up two one. Then it's two two, maybe. Uh, then I think you just, I think, I think, what, I think the Braves will go one and two at home. Yeah, so that would send it back to Houston when we're speaking early next week. Three two Astros trying to close two out chances at home. to win it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then Freed might start Game Six. You know, and if he if he makes an adjustment. Uh, it could easily come down to seven with our man Urquidy back on the mound. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would imagine Houston doesn't want to bring Urquidy back early the same way Atlanta doesn't want to bring Freed back, and maybe they have their scenario in which they would do it. But I'm not expecting. Who to are see the problems? Who are who are the problems with either? I'm pretending like the Astros have all these pitchers and and the Braves have none. But if it's Anderson versus Garcia, then the next one would be uh, Fromber. Fromber, I guess bullpen it, game. How how comfortable are you throwing him on short rest right now? Though? Oh my god! So the next game would be bullpen versus bullpen. Yeah, yeah, that's what game four is shaping up to be. And then on at, well, least, see, at least in that scenario, in five, you'd have a, a fully rested. Frommer I love my man Granky James. I am I am all over that. I think uh, Granky comes in and and shoves. You think that? Okay, well, why do you think that? Because I. Listen, I'm a numbers guy. I have no reason to believe this. <laughs> I'm just in the tank for Zach Granke, man. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, I mean that's fine. I, that's... I say give him the start, let him get, let him prepare himself, and then he's going to come out there and do some weird ass game plan. He's going to throw Efi. <laughs> you know he would. You know he would. Do you not want to see an Efis in the World Series? Do you not want to see? A pitcher get a hit in the World Series, then I mean, you love are also things. rooting for Zach Greinke. So long as pitchers have to wield a bat, uh, I would love to see Zach Greinke get a hit. So in I'm the saying, World Series. I'm saying Greinke Javier, Greinke Javier, they win uh, that game. So you think they go Greinke Javier in four, burn those guys then, and they'd have Odorizzi as the support option behind Fromber in game five. If Fromber were to go short again, they could do the same thing and just try and use Odorizzi to kind of chew through it. And I think they win Fromber. Yeah, okay. So we're, we're pretty clear on this now. If, if both, if, if either of these teams has issues with their starter in game three, the whole weekend takes a nasty turn just because of the days off. Uh, yeah. and because I mean, the they're, those, they're both hanging on by a string. Constructed. Yeah. You know, Charlie Morton's leg thing is brutal, but uh, Lance McCullers, it's not as brutal because it doesn't, it doesn't you don't see it happen in real time, but Lance McCullers grabbing a forearm uh, you know, right when they needed him. I mean, how different would it be if they had Lance McCullers in, in game four? You'd just be like, Oh, okay. Definitely giving that one to the Astros. Yeah. Oh, that I mean for sure would would change things a lot. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, Michael uh, on the live stream. Grinky will be looking at the radar display to see how slow he can get. I mean, he probably would want to have the record for slowest pitch thrown <laughs> yeah, in the World Series on would, record, at least slowest in the stat cast He loves records like that. I think he would totally do it. And he'd be like, Jamie Moyer, whatever. Slow, slower, slowest. How about slowest of all time? <laughs> we got to turn on the Jason Stark bat signal again because I don't know who has the record for the slowest pitch thrown in a World Series game at this time. But I feel like Jason would either know or would have the resources to quickly find out, even uh, quickly, more quickly than we could figure that out. Anything else about the weekend matchups that is compelling to you? I mean, thinking about Jordan Alvarez playing defense and Tucker in center, Brantley in right, that definitely... To me, that levels the playing field with the outfield defense quite a bit, whereas with the DH, Houston's defense in the outfield is a lot better. Without it, not so much. Yeah, uh, we'll get a little bit more. I mean, listen, the one thing that I will admit is that uh, the first two games weren't that great. And we asked when this started, will this be more like the ALCS or more like the NLCS? And we're getting the ALCS. We're getting, I mean, I don't know if it's routes with a capital R, but we're getting, you know, we're getting non-competitive games really where they're mostly decided by the fourth inning and we don't have that intrigue of, do we take Jordan Alvarez out now for, you know, we're, we're going to get, I hope we get more of that. And I wonder if some of it has to do with the AL versus the NL, which is a loaded thing to say before we might uh, lose the last real distinction between the AL and the NL going forward. But, uh, you know, I, I do wonder if we'll get tighter games and we'll get more interesting decisions where they're like, oh, man, we really we're like we're up by two. Do we take Jordan out uh, for defense? You know, what if they tie it back up again? And we wish we had Alvarez still in there. So uh, hopefully uh, we get some more NLCS in the in the National League parks, and we get some tighter games where we get some interesting decisions. Uh, because I, so far it's been mostly uh, if your starting pitcher was the better one that night, you won. That's a little bit old school, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's okay too. I mean, we've had some guys deep into go games. past the fourth inning. Yeah, right. Yeah, the benchmarks are, are a lot different than they used to be, but. Uh... That's the that's the way the game used to be played. Uh, a few other questions popping up on the stream. One was about the the Manning cast. Uh, Monday Night Football has been doing a thing with Eli and Peyton Manning. I think it's on ESPN2 or ESPN Plus or something. I forget where they put it, but it's, it's not the main broadcast. But it's Eli and Peyton, and they bring on guests and dunk on each other and do what they do because people are 
God, I guess probably sick of the same. Who's the running back they had on? Um, I didn't. I haven't watched the Manning cast. Uh, I haven't tuned into it. Who's the Skittles running back? The um, oh, Marshawn Lynch. They had Marshawn Lynch on, and like I wasn't watching it, but they had clips were showing up on Twitter, and they were hilarious. Yeah, I, he was uh, just like cussing left and right on TV. <laughs> I mean, that's a better way to present the game, or a more engaging way to present the game at the very. So, is least. the question is the question who like what would the Manning cast look like for baseball? Yeah, that was the question that was bouncing around Twitter. Brett Phillips is the on-field reporter. <laughs> Phillips is Phillips's golden doodle uh, has some some hazel energy uh, about <laughs> him or her. But uh, energy is the key word. I mean, that's why you want Brett Phillips as the sideline reporter. So Brett Phillips is our sideline reporter. Who are the uh, the two veterans? Uh, Votto. Well, see, if Granky wasn't in it, I mean, I I dream someday of like a book where it's like me, Votto and Granky. I mean, I just think that would be amazing. I I think once they were out of the game, you know, they would like they would just have so many funny stories and like and thoughts about baseball. But uh, well, if you think about all the things that you you like about various broadcasters, right? I mean, I think a lot of people like the way Vin Scully could tell stories. The amazing thing was that he could do it by himself, like for several hours, day after day after day, and, and keep it interesting. Or a Buker and the anecdotes that he provides on on a, a broadcast on a given day, right? Like you you like personality like that. I think most people do. We we need more of that. <laughs> Joseph Cobb, Bryce Harper, and Hunter Strickland. <laughs> no, no know, more but... Strickland in my life, please, please, please. No, but please. seriously, Mitch, Mitch is saying that um, that they don't really call the game like you're saying. Like they don't. I think that it would be a mistake to try and rely on them to call the game. But if it was a video, like I think that's why TV is so different from radio. I think yeah, with radio, you need someone to tell you what's happening. Yeah. But with with TV, you could just have two guys that are just not at all telling you what's happening. <laughs> well, this is so okay. So this is why if we did if we did second screen stuff during games, obviously the game would not be on in the background behind us. I'm ninety nine percent sure that's still very illegal, like to, right. to rebroadcast and then provide commentary. But if you go live, if you do a live stream or you know, any, any sort of broadcast that's separate of a game during a game. That's basically what you're doing. You're making your own Manning cast as a, a podcaster or, or whoever wants to do these things. And we're seeing people do it more often. It's a, for now, like really alternative way to consume a game. But I, I just think we're, we're clearly at this point where people have more choices than ever of what they want to watch and what they want to listen to. There's demand for it. How much demand there is? Probably a multi-million dollar question. For baseball, do the, do the two people you put in the booth together have to be related? I mean, with the Mannings, yeah, they're brothers. But even if they were just guys that were rivals forever and they weren't related, maybe the concept would still be really good. So that's why I think the you know the Votto Grinky combo could work really well. If they got to be brothers, then maybe the Seegers, Corey and Kyle Seeger, could be an interesting one. If uh, or the Molinas actually get more Molinas that way. Uh, we do have Andrew Perpetua saying we need a catcher. Yep, might be interesting to get the Molinas in there. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a uh, suggestion of Jason and Jeremy Giambi. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that would work. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know. If they don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it would be funny for a little bit, but I think, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know about the the analyst uh, part of their brains. 
yeah, the Molina cast. I mean, I think that actually could be one of the, the best combos if if the requirement is that the people in the booth need to be related. If it could be father son, would a Griffey cast be any good? Oh, oh, I like it. I, I like can't remember one. the last time I I saw Senior around or heard him anywhere. Like he he like you see Junior from time to time on stuff, but it's true. Bakers, the Bakers that could work. Bakers actually that could be really good too. <laughs> Mitch House of Sandy Alderson and his son. <laughs> uh, zing. <laughs> how much do you like dead air? Like, how much do you just like the sound of the ambient noise of the game? Because no, I, I feel like you get a lot of that. I know. I, I know you're uh, you're making you're making a joke, but I do think that that's the that's the weirdest toggle on this, right? Because if you're calling the game, a lot of times you're quiet because you're letting the fan noise come in, right? Mm-hmm. But if we were to do something like this, where we are talking about the game, I don't think there's like um, so much analysis. I think there would be times where you'd want to be quiet. Well, I don't know. I, I, on TV, that play is so weird, though. It, it's and, different and, on the radio. And, and it's even weirder if it's not the actual TV and someone's listening to a stream next to the, you know what I mean? That's like. Out, right. outside of the tv yeah have you ever ever you know made you're a like, meal while the tv or... was on you, oh my my roku froze i can't yeah <laughs> so some people need the noise some people need a little more kind of pushed in there um you know you could get you could get the bonzes in there uh you could, you could do all sorts of the boons a boon cast you get a, a canseco cast as as sam suggests i mean the possibilities are endless i think they kind of I forgot accidentally... about the I forgot about Ozzy Ozzy Canseco. I forgot about him. I was yeah, like the... Canseco has a brother. And I was like, oh yeah, Canseco has a brother. <laughs> you could do the Ripkin. Cast. Oh, the Ripkin cast would be good. I think. I mean, they 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 are used to TV. They do a good analysis. Like you know, they they'd be pretty good. Yeah, the Ripkin. That would cast. that would be like uh, that would be like a that would be like a normal thing. That would be that would be most like that would almost be most like the Manning thing. I think. Ripken cast or Boone cast since Boone did TV before becoming the Yankees manager. I think they'd have a little bit of a head start relative to some of the the other people you put in there who haven't done TV before who might not be as natural at it. it it's a it's funny to me because you can I don't know if you watch NFL games, people watching on the stream, many of you probably do, some of you don't, but like Tony Romo for his lack of experience as a broadcaster feel like brings something and maybe you're tired of him already i, I understand if you that's are, why but... I th- that's why i thought like vado vado granky i think vado yeah. like he doesn't have experience as broadcaster but he'd be hilarious i but i'd be willing in in seeing what he's done in interviews and hearing those interviews i'd be pretty confident that he would show up and do a good job like you, yeah. you can get a little bit of a feel for it it's still something of a guessing game but i'd be pretty confident that vado would do really well just on live tv yeah, and I just think that Votto and Granky would be in particular funny because their sense of humors are very different and uh, strangeish. Like Votto does have a bit of a troll sense of humor, <laughs> and then Granky is like Mister Dry. Like he, he's so dry that you he's like one of those ones where you just like did 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 he mean that? Like he called himself a genius the other day, and I was like, I think he's serious and also not. You know, that's that's the kind of humor he has. You know, simultaneously uh, both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, lots of good ideas flowing in there. I think they kind of stumbled into the the Manning cast structure. It seemed like during the KBO games, right? Because 
Boog Shambi, I think, was usually the the lead, and it was just bringing on different guests from mm-hmm. you, you were on some of the games as as a guest, and it kind of felt like a podcast with a a game in the background. Just because the weirdest part, yeah, the weirdest part though was that like there was very little. Um, very little focus on the game. <laughs> well, but I think that comes back to a, a general lack of knowledge about the KBO, the players involved. And yes, you can do the work and, and dig into that. But I, I think they probably realized the, there wasn't going to be a long-term investment in from the audience in learning about those players and, and like wanting to stick with them beyond the part of the season or the season that we were going to watch. Like, I think that yeah. was probably an accurate read on, on the part of whoever did that. Yeah, they just wanted to have something on to, you know, that looked like baseball where we could talk about baseball and wish baseball was back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other topic I wanted to get to today since the series is going back to Atlanta. This came up a little bit earlier in the week. Rob Manfred asked earlier in the week about the Braves' name, the chop, the imagery in Atlanta. It was prior to game one of the series, and his answer was just absurd. Here's his answer, the full quote version. The Native American community in that region is wholly supportive of the Braves program, including the CHOP. For me, that's kind of the end of the story. In that market, we're taking into account the Native American community in Atlanta. They've done a great job with the Native Americans. The Native American community is the most important group to decide whether it's appropriate or not. Now, I think it was easy for most people to go, that that can't be right. That's not right. And And there were immediately press releases that said, we are not supportive of it. Right. And Evan Drellick's been, been reporting on this. There was a statement released by the National Congress of American Indians, which immediately refuted that. I mean, it was just I think the hardest part about this is it's so it's so stupid to do this chop in the first place. There's no reason to have a team name this way. We've seen the change happen in Cleveland. And I, I feel like the pattern and how, how these things actually change is years and years and years of protest and protest and protest and complaint it 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 just takes like an exhausting amount of energy before teams finally change like we saw it the Washington football team going through the change right now Cleveland they're the guardians now it can happen even when it seems like team ownership and even the league in this case have their heels dug so far into being resistant to it but I just I don't know how you expedite that process. That's what I've been kind of racking my brain. Like, yeah, I think that's Money the only talks. thing. And I think that I think this is actually I think this is what changes this, the difference between Cleveland and Atlanta is actually not necessarily. I don't want to blame you know you know Atlantans. I do think there's a little bit of inertia. I grew up in Atlanta uh, for the large part, and you know it's a, it's a tradition that's handed down. The chop is is, is handed down, right? But I think that actually uh, the the person the, uh, the 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 tribe that they try that they, uh, I'm going to say trot out the, the tribe that they point to is saying they're supportive. This is really complicated. They're a financial partner of the Braves and of Major League Baseball. They're they're the kind of tribe that's behind Harrow's and like so. There's gambling money involved. So right. So now there's a bunch of money involved. You have like an actual and and you know everyone's saying oh there's no conflict of interest here. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Of course, it's a conflict of interest. You know, you know, of course, you want the Braves to be happy if you're getting money from them. If they're, you know, if they're if they're funneling money towards your 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 uh, your casino or whatever, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? So uh, I, I think that um, I, I think Sam Chess is also right. Mer- merchandise, um, you know, just uh, it, I think it is money. 
but you know, if 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 the Atlantans are going to keep uh, buying it and and don't really see a problem with it, then they will keep keep supplying that money, and so then you have to make it uncomfortable for them on a national level, which is why those comments from Manfred I think are so upsetting because he's like, no, it's just a local issue. No, it's not. This is now like, what are you talking about? It's a local issue. Now this this is going to be broadcast on national TV. It's going to be broadcast internationally. This is the biggest. This is the biggest stage for your sport, and. And you're going to have people like my children asking, what is this? What is this chop? What is going on here? They are literally asking me, who should we root for? And I have to explain to them the issues on both on both teams. <laughs> right. And to be like, well, okay, well, the Astros did this thing with sign stealing. <laughs> and they're like, what are signs? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> This it's, is going to be, be like a two-hour explanation. Like the game <laughs> basically, is in the fifth inning by the time you explain. Basically, all of game one was spent describing what signs are and what sign stealing is and what the chop is and and how that fits into. But you know, to their credit, they've been taught enough about uh, Native American culture in their schools uh, that they were like, "Oh yeah, that's a little weird. I think it'd be weird if we just." uh appropriated something that like you know one one group did and just like made a joke out of it and just made a thing out of it you know yeah money is the one thing that the league ownership truly cares about so until it costs them money to not do something about this it's going to continue that's that's about how long into the future this goes and uh, obviously, yeah, Mitch in the live stream, always strange to me that Kansas City Chiefs are always excluded from these conversations. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it will I mean, eventually it, get there. It's it's strange that the Braves have been, you know, I think there's why are they why are there these two teams that like, you know, Washington had to change its name. Cleveland had to change its name. And, right. and calls for these changes go back almost two decades, at least. This isn't this isn't some new push. This isn't some thing that has sprung up in the last three years that has led to all this. This has been going on for decades. So it just gives you an idea of how how long the it takes for these changes uh, to take place. I mean, the NCAI was calling on Atlanta to follow the example set by the Cleveland Guardians, and they were calling on Major League Baseball and Fox to not show the chop when it's performed during games. I I don't think that's going to happen. Like I, 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 hope, I think I that would be it. an elegant fix. That would be that would be kind of because it would it would broadcast the sort of the shame. It would say we're not going to show this because you know, like for example, when someone runs out onto the field, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. They yes. don't show it. Yeah, thirty years we don't ago want, they did, but we now don't they don't. Want, we don't want to. We don't want more of this. Right. So we're not going to show it. Yeah, uh, question from James as a segue. Can we touch on Cleveland not securing the Guardians trademark yet and that whole debacle? That is a, a whole little thing going on, too, in Cleveland. I imagine they will get that resolved. Uh, it's a, Is it a roller derby team that they're actually they're actually uh, in, in some trouble with? with if that? someone didn't do the Google search, or maybe someone did the Google search and said, who cares about a roller derby team? Uh, but they if they have the trademark, you better care. Uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be a big mistake. Chandler, do you think they're excluded because yeah, they're winning question. franchises right now? Maybe, but I don't know. Cleveland was having a lot of success and kind of a, a repeat playoff team for a few years. So I almost almost wonder if flying under the radar and not being on the national stage shelters teams like this from the enhanced criticism. Right when it is when it's only 
primarily viewers watching in the local market, not at all to speak any truth into what Manfred's statement was about. But I, I think you amplify these problems when teams are in the postseason because it goes from mostly people in one area watching to everyone watching. I also think that the one piece of truth uh, might be, and it's very interesting uh, in, in, in Atlanta, I, I think that what does, I think Georgia is a little bit closer to Ohio politically as a, as a locale. And I think that there's some aspect of this that has become largely political, which is uh, you can't tell us what to do. You know, you can't, you know, we get, we do what we want. Right. Right. It's like a response to like, you're trying to cancel us. You're trying to cancel the Braves. You're trying to cancel us. Um, And uh, I, I think Mitch's question is good too. Um, uh, Is there a way to honor him properly? I don't think so because we're talking about the name of a team. So you're basically uh, equating them with tigers and cardinals and whatever nonsense is out there. I mean, trash pandas. Right. I mean, I, I, yeah. You've got actually... a team called the trash pandas. Do you want the trash pandas to play the Blackhawks? You know it's what weird. I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, even if the Blackhawks doesn't seem as bad, like they're, they're playing the trash pandas. You, you like, I think it really comes close when you know about the screaming Indian and chief Nakahoma. Because the screaming Indian was this just awful character caricature of a of a of a of a Seminole Indian, just this dark Indian with this just awful character, just just su- super super characterized, like just super. I, I think just the word is racist. I'm trying not to just throw that on everyone, but the, it was just like this awful awful looking thing. And even as a child, I was like, "What is that?" Uh, and then, then Chief Nakahoma was like, he was actually in, a Native American. I, I don't know if that makes it better, but he's like out there in a teepee making smoke signals and stuff. And like, I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, there, there is no. You're equating that. that with uh, who's the Phillies mascot? Well, technically, he's a bird, according to Jason Stark. Which I thought was strange. The Phillies guy? The fanatic, yeah. The, the fanatic, fanatic is a bird <laughs> somehow. Well, that, this is my point, dude. We don't even know what they are. You know, <laughs> See, you're right. you're like gonna put up an Indian against like a a mystical mythical creature. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, just another one of those places where I I feel like we're gonna be having conversations like this for a long time because change takes forever, even though it should have happened. Long time ago. That's just the, the I mean, way it's, it it's goes. It's easy as this, man. It, w- like, what if we had the Atlanta Crackers back? Yeah. What if there was a team called the, like, you know, the the, the Atlanta Black People? It, it'd be, it just you can't. And there's yeah. like a black dude running around as a mascot. Like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it just it, it does not. Does not compute if through like through the, no, the lens of no, like, how dude. we think about things. No, today. I really disagree with this comment by Aces that we should get rid of our mascots and so everyone can be. No, no, the fanatic is not offensive to anyone because the fanatic is not even a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like a made up creature. <laughs> no one's offended by blooper. <laughs> Nobody even knows what blooper is. There have been so many modern mascots where you look at it and you're like, is that a dinosaur or what, what is that supposed to be? What kind of, what, 
what hybrid animal did they just make up? Like, like that's that's probably the right way to go. No, we're just gonna have a caricature of a race running around. <laughs> on that note, more coverage on that story, I'm sure, to follow here at the Athletic. Evan Drellick has been all over it. If you want to check that out, you can do that. 33% off subscription at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Three games this weekend. It feels like a, a lifetime of baseball is going to pass before we speak again. We may have a World Series winner when we come back on Monday, which is uh, hard to believe that the season could be over here in just a few days. We're back Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Twitter. You can find Eno at Eno Saris. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. And good news, Britt is back on Monday as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to barrel up on the like button. If you're enjoying us on a regular podcast platform or you can leave us a nice rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. Enjoy the games this weekend. Rates and Barrels is back on Monday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.